Coming up, host, commentator, film critic, and sports fanatic Ben Mankiewicz joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hello, I'm Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Tamara Berg. Hello, Hello. everybody. Hello, Ileana. Here we are, mid-January. The world has not ended. Almost, we're this close. Really super close. <laughs> super. Uh, the, um, the clock moved 30 seconds closer to midnight. Oh, yes. It did. did it? Yes. In our dystopian. Well, we yeah. have Michael York coming up pretty soon in oh, a couple right. weeks. Yeah. So Going to talk to Logan's Run. You know, we're, <laughs> oh we're here. Gosh. Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, a series of dystopian uh, movies and films and everything. Anyway, it's so excited to be here. We're flying a little bit by the seat of our pants. I always believe yeah. in honesty. Yes, you know, I, I come, do too. Coming from comedy background. Um, our good friend Ben Mankiewicz is a is a a little he's caught in a little bit of a, some traffic, so he's a little late. So what? There's traffic here. I know here in L.A. as depicted in the film La La Land, which we're also going to get to. Yes, we are. But uh, so he's he's so we're going to be chatting a little bit more, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's let's hit it. We let's got some the, things to talk about, ladies. Yes. There are many, many things, starting with uh, incredibly sad as if, I mean, 2016 has bled into uh, 2017 Ugh. with the worst, you know, again, now Mary Taylor Moore has passed yeah. away and it's uh, just so much of an icon and, so, you know, some people will pass away and it's incredibly sad. Like Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher's mm. their body of work. Uh, Mary Taylor Moore, not only it wasn't her incredible body of work, but what she stood for. I mean, she really was a role model. And, a, and an icon for, at a time when it was when that was just not available yeah for women and girls and i think that um without somebody like mary tyler moore again you know oprah winfrey has spoken of course about how much you know she believed and that's what, what i write about in the book i mean oprah winfrey wanted to get a job in minneapolis yes because mary tyler moore was worked, there worked there that's and right it made it seem like a job that you could you could do, but you could also, you know, dress nice and have friends and all, all, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there'd be no probably Tina Fey, you know, so many right. when you think of the the people that have followed in her uh, in her footsteps. Katie Couric was talking about it, too, recently, about how um, as a little girl, you know, the, the and the, the part of it that was really specific to me was that that she was an independent woman. Right. You know, playing this character. It's, but she was, you know, there there were friends around mm-hmm. and there were people around, but she wasn't, you know, just a wife and a, yeah. or, or a girlfriend the way so many women had been portrayed up to that point. And she was the center of the show, but she was funny and she was in on the joke. And I have so many favorite uh, episodes. Uh, I don't know if you remember the episode where she's going to win an award and her ha- everything goes wrong and she's sick and her hair is a, is a mess. I, that one's right amazing. Right your life. Yes, with that's dress. No, yeah. right? with the dress. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like something. But you know, you could really relate to that. There was another one where a friend made this hideous dress that was like way too revealing. There was that dress. Um, 
one of my favorite I posted uh, last night on Facebook. I mean, and I'm not even getting to the most famous ones. Right, These are of just course. the ones that I love. That appeal to you. When uh, Mary, who's famous for having horrible dinner parties, that, and everybody makes fun of them, um, convinces Sue Ann to make her veal prince Orloff, and she only has enough, <laughs> she only has six servings. And Lou, her boss, comes over and takes half of the Veal Prince Orloff and then has to put it back. And then, meanwhile, Rhoda is the only appearance of Henry Winkler. Oh. He has just gotten fired at at the department store, and she brings him. And, again, Mary says, I don't have enough portions. And she says, it's okay. He could sit at the little table. I promise everyone, go go Google Mary Taylor Moore, Veal Prince Orloff. It is an, <laughs> just an incredible comic episode because the situation is hysterical. And Ted Knight, again, because she only has these six seats, Ted is not invited. And everyone else in the office is. And so Ted Knight also has to figure out a way to go there. So you have this just incredible uh, situation. And then the other thing I was going to say, which has been noted on on the news, and we talked about this in uh, Trailblazing Women, is that um, Mary Tyler Moore's show employed a lot of female writers Mm. and also female uh, directors. And that was pretty kind of unheard of at the the time. And the, the most famous episode, like sort of considered the top five of all comedy episodes is, you know, Chuckles, Chuckles the, Clown. the Clown, which was uh, directed by a woman. And um, and so, you know, an amazing uh, legacy. Also her work in Ordinary People, mm. I, I think is extraordinary. I, I That's one of those movies, we talk about movies that make you cry. Um, boy, her performance in a scene where she's on the golf course mm-hmm. and her son has uh, died and she's just trying to have a good time, and she yells at the other family, like, you know, you try to relax when you're, you know, when she talks about this tragedy. I just thought it was uh, unbelievable. Just yeah. the depth to go from being comedian, a light comedian, to to that, I think, is pretty pretty incredible. Agreed, agreed. It's a it's a great loss. Um, and yeah. she was, she, you know, like so many of these women who really um, created possibilities for the people who were watching them, you know, Florence Henderson and Debbie Mm -hmm. Reynolds and things like that. Um, You know, it's another one of those ones that you really kind of feel in your heart because there was such a connection for all of us who watched her. And, you know, with um, reruns and that sort of thing, so many people have Mm -hmm. connections to it. So it's a, it's a, it's a big loss. It also spawned, you know, again, speaking of women, it spawned, I mean, it seems unheard of today that it spawned, you know, Phyllis Rhoda. And Rhoda. Right. Um, so all these other great shows where women were at the uh, at the forefront. I also thought there was something very touching just about this uh, epitaph, if you will, of this idea of like she turned the world on with a smile, which is not which doesn't make you cringe, but actually really touches you, mm-hmm. you know, because you think, my goodness, if that were that's uh, quite a legacy, you know. I think that that's very touching. And in her own personal life, it doesn't seem like she found happiness until very late uh, in life yeah. and uh, and kind of, you know, persevered in that way, but was close friends with Betty White and um, just quite a, quite a legacy. And I was, as I said, last night 
while other important television shows are premiering. I was watching episode after episode of Mary Tyler Moore, another one that is very funny, again, because she's so famous for giving these horrible parties, is she finally thinks she has it, and she and Johnny Carson is going to come to her party, mm. and there's a blackout in the building. And they do, and I watched it, and I hadn't seen it, you know, for many years since I was a kid. And I, you can't believe the daring of a national sitcom to spend literally half the episode in, in, the in pitch black, yeah. in pitch black, and just hear the voices uh, of, and you hear, and Johnny Carson comes in, and the things that are uh, occurring while he's there, and uh, you know, unbelievable. <sighs> it's an unbelievable show. I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's going on. May she rest in peace. Yes. And, of course, the other big news is... uh, Oscar nominations came out. The Academy Awards. Um, I'm not on here. What? (laughs) I'm shocked. Now, here's what's funny. Hang on. Maybe there's a page three. Well, as people know, or I'm going to say it for the first time, regular watchers of the show, I am am a member of the uh, Academy. I take it. I take it very seriously. And uh, I, I try to watch as many movies out in the theater as possible, which I really enjoy. And then uh, some of them, of course, I watch at home. And um, I was, you know, they send you a booklet of literally every film mm-hmm. that came out. Mm-hmm. And every year I'm usually in a film that I could vote for myself. <laughs> but I, I often wonder, like, would I get kicked out? It's like, <laughs> uh, Ileana, you got one vote and you were it. So... No, you're not going to get a nomination. You're not going to beat out Viola Davis, okay? It's not going to happen. Not this year, anyway. Not this year. But uh, that, for me, would be the pinnacle. You know, my grandfather, of course, won two Academy yes, Awards. Two. And I've never been to the Academy Awards because I vow that I will not go until I'm nominated. So that's my... Oh, all right. Yeah. We need to get on that, Cut then. to me being a valet. Like, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Costner. We worked together many years ago. Well, Remember you know, one me? of my one of my very close friends actually manages the valets, so I can get you that job. Oh, <laughs> that'd be like to, for me one of the How's top that? three worst jobs. With it, my, I mean, I, it is a terrible job. I've oh, heard many stories I, about it. I can't even imagine. It's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, many of them just involving heat. All right, so let's go through these films. Okay. Um, did, did the awards line up with your pick? Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Yes, they did. Here's my one um, issue with the Academy is uh, I do not see I, Daniel Blake on here. I, Daniel Blake was my second favorite film of the really? year. I'm I writing it down. So I think I know a thing or two about films. Uh, La La Land was my favorite film of the year. I, Daniel Blake by Ken Loach, a very noted British filmmaker. Uh, has been making movies since the 60s. He's 80 years old, and he made this film, and I happen to think it's incredible. It won uh, the Palme d'Or, which is the grand prize at Cannes, mm-hmm. not an easy feat. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty good film. What's it, it about? Um, it's about a man, a British a guy who is a carpenter who has a heart attack and uh, loses his health insurance and therefore gets put into this system of trying to look for work 
can't look for work because of his health condition. And in the course of, of that, he meets a young woman who's also been thrown into this healthcare system, has two kids, literally can't afford enough uh, money for food, and they kind of befriend each other and, and help each other. And it's uh, incredibly touching. Uh, and, and this performance by the lead actor is 59 years old. He'd never been in a film before. He was a stand-up comedian. So again, for those people out there that think, you know, you right. can't, you can't make it. You, you can make it. Any, any, you know, there, anything is possible. But the relationship between the this this man and the woman, which is not a, you know, it's not a romantic situation. It's just about friends and. And to me, what it what it spoke about is our future and the way things are here in America and getting very dark yeah. is that all we really have is each other. We're not going to have the bureaucracy um, and getting caught in the system just kind of chews you up and spits you out. And I think it's an incredibly important uh, film with, with a masterful performance from, from both people. I was blown away by it. But... I did not, and I went out and you know saw you know sought the movie. Mm-hmm. I did not get it, you know, because we get the studio right. send. Now remember, I want to tell tell everyone, screeners do not come from the academy; they come from studios. Right. So the academy is no, um, you know, horse in the race, so to speak. But okay. um, but anyway, oh, so Ben is here. How exciting! Oh, fantastic! So he, can, he can join in on our conversation. Why don't you introduce him? I'm going to introduce Ben, Ben Mankiewicz, who is, of course, the host of Turner Classic Films. Uh, he's a uh, critic, of course, there for What the Flick, and he probably drives 80 miles an hour, and he's here. Look at this. Ben, co- co- have a seat and put your, uh, put your headphones on. You're the best. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no. Don't worry Don't about me. it. I'm just excited you're here. We were talking about, we went ahead and we started to talk without you anyway. We were talking about the Oscars. I don't um, know if you need the Oscar list. Um, I, sure, I'll take it. But I, I, I did talk about it this morning on uh, my little uh, show, What the Flick, my review show, and uh, hey. where I almost brought you up, and oh. then it suddenly occurred to me that maybe it wasn't a story that I'm allowed to tell publicly, and then this is all in my head while I'm talking. And then I was oh. like, no, I think it was in the book. Yes. Because my friend Alonzo Duralde, who was a critic for The Rap and a really smart, good guy, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, he said, we never know who finished sixth. Oh. And I said, uh. and then I was like, and I was and I was about to say, no, well, one year, we know who finished sixth. <laughs> and then I thought, did they, but maybe they didn't, maybe that's unofficial and you're not allowed to say it out loud. Well, you probably, maybe you aren't, but I'm going to brag. <laughs> right. So... I mean, you know, coming in second is not is not so bad. And I, coming in sixth for for best supporting actress, that means you all you and it was and the reason they told you because it was so close. It literally, it was like something like a vote because you didn't get a chance to vote for yourself I, that year. No, incidentally, no. I it was something like four votes. It was something crazy, really, really close, and a category that everyone votes for. Yeah, right. And those were the days. I'm going to take a wild guess. I think this was 1994 to die for, 93 or 94. That sounds right. But you didn't camp, you know, one didn't, I didn't even know. I mean, I was like living in New York. I didn't know that that you could campaign. And we had this discussion, or maybe I did, with Angie Dickinson in Dress to Kill. She said, you you didn't campaign. No, that's that's all fairly new. Yeah. And uh, 
But it's interesting that that came up today, and I. Uh, 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 but also, let's just talk a little yes. bit briefly about yeah. the heroics of being. Well, first of all, the anti-heroics of of you telling me a time and me totally reversing it. You switching the time, and I just did it exactly the opposite. Oh. And I was so sure when you called and was like, hey, are you here? And I was like, no, you moved me to 2.30. You <laughs> silly <laughs> Ileana. And then I looked at the text, and I was like, oh, man. Um, but in a dog park yes. in Santa Monica, California. Wow. By the ocean, Look like at, at 6th Street. Wow. That's where I was. Not yes. Then you went. Had to gather the dogs, daughter, wife, everybody. What? Into a car Aww. to be here, and, and then and Aww. then and manage somehow to uh, to get her with the. You're the best. Amazing. Well, yeah. it'll be fun. We're going to run into our pal Peter Bogdanovich in a little bit. So we, we always like to think of this as cocktail hour anyway. Well, with PG tips, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. different cocktails, different one kind day. of a cocktail hour. <laughs> but we're guests ru- sort of run into each other. You know, yeah, that's people. good. That's I always good. Like I like, that. I, I, and I always like. Uh, it's like one of my singing parties. We know? have, I have, I have. You know, Peter is a guest at the at the festival for I sure, know. the TCM Classic Film Festival, and I have already suggested one of the things we should do with him, and I will, and maybe you could, or if yes. I'm still here, make that argument to him that I want him to do an hour of like up close with Orson Welles, Howard oh. Hawks, and John Ford through Peter Bogdanovich. But that's how it should right. That's how it should be pitched because who else nobody else. It's the Bible. He speaks like he and then he kind of imitates them. Like he yeah. he goes into a little bit of a yeah. vernacular. Uh, and I just think that would be incredibly cool to just have him do essentially twenty minutes on each guy or whatever fifteen and take some questions. I think it'd be great, and he'd love to. I'm sure. My do hunch you, is he'd love to. Do you listen to and we're going to? Do you listen to his uh, commentaries? On I, films? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the best. They're they're, you know, the, his commentary on Citizen Kane is actually yeah, it's great. It's it, fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, I learned so much. From a movie, like he was talking about Clash by Night, and he just, and apparently he doesn't study either. He just goes in. He and just he, goes in and <sighs> gives his impressions. Yeah, he's a he's a smart guy. I, I, of all the TCM interviews I've done, I was Aww. most intimidated. Really? By two people. Me, uh, number one. Th- three. Sure. Three. Yeah. Obviously, Ileana Douglas, <laughs> because she's uh, Super intimidating. intimidating. Right. So you ask a dumb question, she'll call you on it right then, make yeah. you feel make and you feel a fool. Slap you. That's right. Yeah. My yeah. Yeah. yeah, violent. That's right. Uh, three people actually stood out. Uh, all men. Interesting. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, one, Peter Bogdanovich. Okay. Uh, two, obviously, Jerry. Lewis, you, you're, everyone should be nervous before talking to Jerry. He's Jerry. He's my Jerry. He's and, my boyfriend. And so. three, I'm uh, not scared of him. Max von Sydow. Oh, oh. Right. I'm with you on Max von Sydow. I remember our our mutual uh, friend who works there, Darcy Hetrich, is VP of talent, and she goes to me, uh, "Do you want to meet Max von Sydow?" And I said, "Oh, oh my, oh, of course." And I have something in common because I'm just about to do a show in Sweden, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. And I went back and I said hello, and you know, I said, "I'm, I'm it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm such a fan. I'm about to do a show in Sweden." He goes. I haven't lived in Sweden in many years. <laughs> it's like dead silence, you know. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. okay, okay, well, thank you. Uh, really great to meet you. Thanks for cutting my legs off. <laughs> but, but all of them yeah. were great. They were all instantly, uh, Peter had a cold. I met him in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did a great event that night before, it must have been the last picture show. Um, and... Uh, 
uh, but he was terrific. And instantly I said, I sat down. I was like, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, and he was like, oh, Mike, that's crazy. Why would you be nervous? And then he was chatty and uh, he had a wonderful conversation on the phone because he'd been sick. Mm-hmm. It changed forever how I think about Sybil Shepherd because she was calling to check on him. Aww. You know, this was, they were, they hadn't been together in 25 years. Right. But they still had a connection. They, they had a connection and they were concerned for each other and she was worried about him traveling with a cold. And I thought that was very sweet. It's so interesting. When you do interviews, like when I'm been starting to do interviews at TCM, I, I feel like I'm always, you know, you, you have the questions that are in the pocket kind of that you're, if, if you hopefully can get to if they feel comfortable enough or are you building um i mean what what's your research like as you go into it i sort of build a beginning middle and end but i think that's because i'm an actor i do a uh, finish a, big you know right now i uh <laughs> i don't uh, uh think of it that way i do a tremendous amount of research i suppose yes. that it is disorganized research i am very scared of of losing them Losing, you know, where they just sort of check out, especially right. if it's an hour and you lose them like at minute 27 and how right. hard it is to get that back. I've had that happen once and it was bad in mm-hmm. the beginning. It was with an, it was it was with uh, Alexander Payne. He's the guy I lost. And but George Clooney was there and it, it was saved because George Clooney was there and he yeah, he he sensed it and he just got charming. You know, and so everybody was that sort of put everybody at ease. Um, but I do a ton of research and then mm-hmm. write down sort of all these sort of points that I want to make um, or want to get them to make. Right. And um, oh, that guy's going to regret that decision because um, <laughs> I just left some gum on the table and he kindly scooped it up. But the oh. gum was not well kept by the wrapper. He's going oh. to get some gum on his hand. Oh. Um, so okay. I um, uh so I just have these points I want to make, and then I sort of feel it out of of how it should go. I don't even really write down questions. I write down bullet points that oh, I want to hit, and then I right. sort of turn them into questions. Um, because I've just gotten to the point where the best thing I can ask – there's usually a question at the beginning, and I usually know what that is, how I'll start it off with. Right. But then to me, by far, the best questions are, really? Why? I didn't know, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Anything to get them to say more. Right, the follow-up. Um, yeah, but not even a complicated follow-up. Just a, really? Like, you know, act amazed. I usually am, right? right it's not just right. like it. Like, I didn't know that. Wow. And then they'll say something else. They'll just talk. Yeah. Um, and then you just get a feeling. Then you, like, get into the finish zone. You're like, okay, any time in the next seven minutes, I can end this. Right. And so if we get a moment that's going to leave people feeling vibrant and connected yes then then take it so sometimes uh, the tough part will be like oh, i want to get to this this is it or i'll think oh i can say something funny about this this is going to be great <laughs> and then they'll hit a moment and i'll think i, I oh, i've got to let it go i've got to let that thing oh. go i gotta say ladies and gentlemen Ileana douglas because i know that's when they'll sort of be most yes thunderous well i always admire you because you you do the jokes and i i don't and i'm a joker but i feel like i always want to kind of wait it out unless i know the person well like if it's like richard dreyfus or yeah well we the problem is is that yeah the humor has to be self-deprecating like it has to be how big an idiot i am otherwise it's you know i'm not they're not there to see me (laughs) what were you thinking do do a bit right yeah (laughs) um so uh but the research enables me to be funny because what uh, if i don't feel confident that if they ask Oh my God! I can't remember who directed that movie, and then mm-hmm. I can go oh, George Seaton, right? right? And if I know that I can say that, even though two days later I really might not be able to say that, yeah, I can say it right then in that moment. 
uh, then it gives me the confidence to try and, and, and be funny because if it fails, I am I got stuff to I agree. fall back on. There's nothing worse than like not getting the actor right. Here, yeah, here's and it's a- happened. Sometimes they'll call out and, and I'll just, now I just go, there's a, there's, I, I go, I don't know, but there's like a thousand people here who have the answer. And, and something, <laughs> sure enough, somebody, George Seaton! <laughs> yeah. Which brings me to my other uh, terrifying, uh, the high wire act is like the first question in a and a like what is it about the first question? Oh, the per- you mean with the crowd when the when yeah, the, yeah you, that- don't your eyes oh, if you had like a kind of X ray vision of like he's I know they're gonna be like Jerry in 1946. No, that's the danger is that if they say a year, you're effed. <laughs> You're yeah, yeah, totally. And I stood outside, and and I'm like, oh, I'm li- we're losing him. Well, you know, the him. best the best moment ever in a Q and A I had came from one of those moments was, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned hers with Angie, Angie Dickinson, and we were in Austin, at the whatever that giant great Alamo, whatever that theater's called, yes, in Austin, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, packed, standing in the back, thousand people to see uh, Angie before. Um, the John Wayne Western mm-hmm. Rio Grande, Re- right? Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo, Rio Grande, Rio Grande's the river. Um, <laughs> Rio Bravo to see to see uh, uh, Rio Bravo with uh, with Ricky Nelson and, yeah. and with Dean Martin and uh, Rio Grande. It's so great. Um, the uh, uh, and um, uh, and so we go. It's been a great conversation. She's sexy and funny, and and I'm like into her. Yeah. Like I'm I'm thinking if she wants to get a drink, I'm, we're gonna have to go get a drink. Like I'm so just Angie Dickinson. She's so of course. And as you know, for it's happened to you too, and she's become a friend. And so we um, and we go to the questions, and a guy comes up, and he looks like, and I, I, I'm gonna sound like I'm being a jerk, but this is he did. He looked like the comic book guy on The Simpsons. Like his t-shirt <laughs> didn't fit, and he didn't look like he showered much, and he was. And he, and, and he, but he was excited to see Angie Dickinson, and he starts talking about when he was 12 years old, he would watch Police Woman, and he would watch it, you know, alone at dark, and it would be at night, and he would always have a poster of her, and when the lights went out, he would start thinking about Angie Dickinson. <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, this is after he has come up to the stage with a, uh, something he wants her to sign. So it's already like too personal, and he's right there, and the crowd is awkward, and we've had this great conversation. And he says, you know, when it, when it's at night, I'd, I'd go to, the lights would go out, and I'd start thinking about Angie Dickinson, <laughs> right? And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, that's great, um, thanks. I think, and Angie scoots her chair up, so it makes a noise, right? Which is key. She, yeah. She puts her hand out to tell me to shut up, right? She's like, eh. and then she goes, go on. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was great. Crowd yeah. loved it. Everybody loved it. It was fantastic. And uh, she, so she made that moment. She yeah. saved that moment. Yeah. There's nothing like that great. My favorite, well, my, uh, my favorite moment. Well, my, I had my first favorite moment interviewing was, um, was when I got to interview Richard Roundtree and they told me, right. And I did my research. He hasn't been in a lot of movies and they said, Oh, there's just one thing he doesn't want to talk about Shaft. I was going to say, you can talk about anything you want, except the, Shaft. And the movie was Earthquake uh. that we were presenting, and I was, you know, it was kind of like, okay. Yeah. I can eliminate questions two, three, five, six, seven, so eight, ten. Right? It was like, you know, so it was like, so um, Earthquake, you know, and I started with the director, Mark Robeson, and he goes, no, I don't remember him. 
I was like, okay, I'm down to two work. And I said, you know, I said, it was a fantastic uh, cast in Earthquake. And he, he was like, I don't really remember who was in Earthquake. And, and I started to tell him. You know, uh, I said, well, you know. Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner, right? Yeah. It's a serious cast, right? And, and he goes, I didn't work with Charlton Heston. And I said, I think you did. Mm-hmm. Weren't you in the bar? Right, there's when a he, scene he together. Walks yeah. in, and, you know, and he was he disputed that. He goes, no, I never. <laughs> and then I said, George Kennedy, do you remember right? And he said, he played the cop. Right? You know, George Kennedy goes, no, no, I didn't. And then he just stared at me. And then I said, um, you know, there's a big earthquake in the movie. Do you remember that, Richard? <laughs> and that got a huge laugh. We and were he out smiled. At the, we were yeah. out at the pool, the Roosevelt, and then it broke the ice. But how big a difference is that, too, outside? Like, the acoustics aren't good, so it's, yeah. it's impersonal. So the ability to connect meaningfully, you're never going to have a great Q&A outdoors. Ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. You can have a good one, yeah, but it's never going to be intensely intimate because they're not going to open up because mm-hmm. they, it's not it, because it lacks the intimacy. Right? right. It just feels like a show. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to a conversation. That's what I think. It's like, you know, and then somebody will start hamming it up. Adam West was great with Lee Merriweather right. for me at the pool. But but they every question they answered jokily. Oh, right. Uh, which yeah. was, it was fine. They were good. They're great. Right. And people, I mean, it's the bad, it's Adam West and Lee Merriweather, who doesn't want to yeah. see them? They're thrilled. But there was no moment of, you know, trying to get him to say, yeah, that was a, that I, I, I screwed that up. You know, right. I, I didn't embrace it or I didn't go back to it quickly. And all things that he talked about backstage that he, he's an <sighs> interesting guy. Yeah. Um, but. You know, out there on the stage where you don't feel the immediate connection to the audience as a delay in the way that, you know, in a great theater, the acoustics mm-hmm. will reverberate off the wall and they'll come back. You just feel like you're yeah. you're enclosed. You're all in this thing together. That goes away outside. Do you miss the old uh, Grauman's? They re... I do. You, you, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but they re... The old Grauman's uh, Chinese theater, like you see the movie Star is Born and... Right, just running up the yeah, aisle. Yeah. It looked like that for years, and now it's stadium seating. Now it's the TCL... Something or other. Yeah, IMAX. Chinese IMAX. Chinese something. Great Wall. Right. Something. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> they kept a lot of the original stuff. Yeah. I mean, it does look nice, but it was never for... It, that was a beautiful theater, and a, yeah. and a beautiful theater to see a movie, and it meant something. It was. It's never a good place to have a conversation because it's cavernous. Yeah. It's too big. Oh, my God. It feels like the people are you know you can't see anybody they're too far away it's uh you know it's it's uh again it lacks the intimacy of of even a giant theater like the one that angie and i had in in austin um uh but you know the the you don't want too many people uh in that audience just for a conversation i mean you can get past it it's fine and it might be work but it's a little harder to connect with the audience in those big theaters um, so we, it's funny, we skipped our, usually we start our show. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I always do this. It's, um, we've already talked about it. It's my favorite question. What was the first movie you saw and who took you to see it? Um, I think uh, this is, I'm probably wrong because of the year. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm definitely wrong because of the year, but the first movie I remember going to in a theater because I went with my father and my brother mm-hmm. was the remake of The Champ. With John Voight Ooh, and Ricky Schroeder. That's a good one. It's a new one. Yeah, it, it was not a good one. Um, <laughs> good? It's a super manipulative movie. Also, who takes a little kid to see a movie where the boy's dad dies? <laughs> like, you know, and he's 
he's appropriately crestfallen. Yes. Um, so, uh, but the year, I think the champ might have been 79. Yeah, I'm not, something like that. Something, yeah. And so, I mean, I was 12. I'd, 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 I'd seen Star Wars. You know, yeah. I mean, I... I uh, you were sophisticated. Yeah, so I, I, my dad and I went to see Smoking the Bandit. Uh, I saw Smoking the Bandit as many times as Star Wars 3. I went uh-huh. to see Star Wars the second two times because everybody else did. I wasn't that into it. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go see Star Wars again. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got yeah. it. Um, I, I know. I wasn't into it. Yeah, and, and, and we're like basically the same age, so the same... And I, I was into Jaws, though. Jaws. I was I, I was into Jaws, but I don't think I saw Jaws in a theater. Yeah. I saw it in a drive-in. Or I, or yeah, but <laughs> like I saw it not first run, Seems, maybe in a theater. It was so weird. Because um, we used to go to uh, East Hampton before it was that, or at least I didn't know it was Tony. Yeah. It was also fairly empty in August. Um, I guess it's not the case now, but some people used to give us their house, friends of my father's and mother's, and uh, and I think I saw East Ham. I think I saw Jaws there in yeah. the theater. Oh, you know what I saw? It was a good story. I saw an officer and a gentleman there. Uh, oh, that would have been later. Racy, yeah, totally. And I'm like 14, and 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 the people who gave us their house were named the Rogans, and they had a daughter, Sally Rogan. Uh oh. And Sally Rogan, I think, was my age or a year older. She yeah. Was beautiful right <laughs> she her hair was long it was super curly um and my cousin nick davis who's now a, a tv director and and uh, uh producer he was there too he's two years older so he's like a year older than sally and i'm mm-hmm. i'm the young kid there and we go see an officer gentleman and you know it's really sexy yeah right? and uh and uh and my mom and dad are also there and <laughs> but they're not sitting near us like you got that the three kids we're sitting together and and then at the moment I guess the first time or the second time that they have sex and Deborah Winger is on top of Richard Gere. And my mom comes up <laughs> in front of us in the theater. So she, her back is to the screen. She's standing over us and she goes loudly. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and watch Deborah Winger astride Richard Gere. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's the first time I've heard the word astride, but I instantly know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to sit here and watch Deborah Winger astride Richard Gere. Your father and I are going home. Uh, do you want to come with me? Or you can, we were, we were like, we were, Staus was less than a mile away. It was yeah. the summer. We were like, or do you want to walk home afterwards? And I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll walk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I remember thinking... This is doom. I have no chance. Yeah. With, with Sally Rogan. Like, nobody. I'm now the kid who got his mother and human. And my dad, like, being like, uh, yeah, I guess we're going. I, I didn't Aww. have a problem with it, but I guess we're leaving. That's so funny, you know, because my, my parents were the hippies, you know, that would, you know. Right. You we, got to see a stride live, probably. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the, the second book. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. We were like, uh, yeah, well, the kids, well, my brothers would, uh, we would always look at the hippies because I as, as wrote the book, uh, grew up on a commune. So we they were always in majorly in love with older, you know, women wearing braids and ponchos. Totally, that became yeah. like their every go-to girlfriend, I always thought was like a replica of one of the hippie, one of the real pretty, uh, ruddy-faced kind of hippie girls. Halter tops to, and beads and things. Uh, poncho, she made pottery, you know, that that's that sort of type. But, um, it's so, a good girl to like. Yeah. So that's the first, um, and did you talk to your uh, dad about movies or your parents, your brothers? No, you, you know, I had this family history in movies that I, I, I didn't. I mean, yeah. It just didn't come the... to me until much later. It didn't. Uh-huh. I mean, I knew it and I was told it, but right. Herman, my grandfather, wrote Citizen Kane was uh, 
no matter what your next guest says. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, uh, had been dead since 1953, 14 years before I was born. And my dad had gone into politics, and I grew up in D.C., and, and Joe Mankiewicz was alive, um, uh, living uh, in Bedford yes. in New York. But I didn't um, – and I knew Joe, but uh, he'd been – you know, the thing about Joe was he had writer's block and hadn't written a movie in forever. Right. You know, hadn't directed a movie, I think, since Sleuth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it just didn't – it wasn't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't – I knew it. But wow. my dad was so famous in Washington politics that right. I – that's sort of what I thought was by far most uh, most important. So we talk about movies, but not a ton. Wow. The, so did you have a thought of going into politics? Yeah, versus... yeah, much politics and sports broadcasting. That's what I thought. Those, what? That's what I thought I'd, I'd do. One of those. Things. So when when did the movie bug? I mean, in you know, I, in college, I took a course. I I'm not the Tufts didn't have much of a film program, but I mm-hmm. took a cinema course from this sort of really cool professor. Uh, whose name completely escapes me, and uh, and I wrote a pay- and I took it pass fail because junior year I realized you were allowed to take six courses pass fail and I hadn't mm-hmm. taken any, which meant the next two years were going to be fantastic because <laughs> um, I was not going to take fewer than six. I mean, I was going to take as many as you were allowed to take pass fail. So I take this film course pass fail and I and I but day one. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Because it does what TCM does. It's putting these movies in historical context. Right. And I just was into it right away, mm-hmm. um, putting these movies in a, into some usually political context. And then I wrote a paper on the Santa Fe Trail with Ronald Reagan and Errol Flynn. And, um, and it was so clearly uh, – and it was about John Brown, but it was, so, mm-hmm. it was 1940, I think. And it was obviously about Hitler. They turned John Brown into mm-hmm. into Hitler, and and they changed history. They they had all these guys going to uh, West Point together who didn't go to West Point together. Mm-hmm. All these sort of famous nineteenth century generals and um, uh, officers, and so and I wrote about that. Like, hey, look what the movies do. They changed it around. I mean, one guy was there twenty years later. It didn't matter. They put mm-hmm. him together. They put him in the class. And this guy clearly represents Hitler and the threat we faced in nineteen forty from Hitler and. And I loved it. And I, I got, I think, the only A-plus of my life. Oh. Um, and and the comments were he was thrilled with the paper. And, and I thought, I can't believe I took this course fast. <laughs> 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 I've just, I've just blown a surefire A. But uh, so, you know, that made me think, oh, this is fun. I like like knowing stuff about movies. I feel now a, a lack of, the first time, uh, I feel a lack of knowledge about movies. And so then it just started to sort of slowly... Uh, grow from there but i had to do a tremendous amount of catch-up work when i got the tcm job i mean Mm -hmm. a lot um and i did a lot of stuff in a hurry uh so a lot of stuff that i saw then i've already forgotten about i don't Uh retain a lot of stuff like you know you know instantly and there's a whole group of people who whose recall on classic movies is fantastic and i don't i just i don't have it i i am great about the things I know, and then I just need a reminder. Right. Like, if we're going to talk about, I'm like, okay, give me seven minutes. And I'm like, oh, oh, I remember. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, go. Right? Yeah. But two days later, I can't have that same conversation again without refreshing myself again. I'm curious. Do you have a movie, for me, there's always, I, what I always love is like, yes, I'm a movie fanatic, and I've seen so many movies, but there's many, like, classic, classic films. And I'm like, no, I never saw it. And one of them was, you're going to be shocked, because mm-hmm. it's like, you see it in pieces on television. Right. And I never saw Start to Finish, Grapes of Wrath. 
Which, oh, I love Great Which Charette. I finally, it was on TCM, um, you know, uh, we, we at, in my house, I, I don't, most actors I know, it's like, oh, we only have TCM on. We don't watch the news anymore. But um, Especially now. I know, with a candle <laughs> in front of it. <laughs> uh, and a picture of Ben, of course. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, now I understand the movie. Got out of prison, okay, because I, I I hadn't read the book. But do you have a movie like? Do you have movies like that where you um, still, you're like, no, I never saw it. Like I can't get through the Good Earth. I'm sorry, um, I, I cannot get through that movie. Oh well, I mean, so are you asking me are there classic movies that I hate or <laughs> classic movies that I haven't seen? Well, sort of both. Let's, well, let's do. Well, first both. of all, I, again, like <laughs> I said, there are so many I've seen that if I had to do a Q and A with somebody about, I would simply have to rewatch. Uh-huh. Like I just don't. I, I gotta remember. I don't know enough about it. Right. I can't believe the scene recall that people have. Like it doesn't. But I have yeah. it for baseball, so oh, I get it. But I just don't have it. They'll be, you know, they'll be, somebody will ask me a question of a movie I saw a month ago, and they'll say, "But in that that moment, that scene with the, you know, with the, whether it's a modern movie, that scene with Humphrey yeah. Bogart, or that scene with yeah. Denzel Washington, it, it didn't make sense." And I'm like, "I don't know what scene you're talking about." And I like this movie, but I have no, I don't oh, that's remember. Interesting. Um, so, uh, without giving the year. Because uh, uh, the year would do me a grave, uh, permanent uh, damage to my credibility. I didn't see Gone with the Wind for a very long time. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I love. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a while before I saw Gone with the Wind, and then I saw it, and I hated it. I didn't <laughs> sort of dislike it. I right. actively disliked it. Um, then reading about it more helped me put it right. in a context that let me appreciate it more. I mm-hmm. still don't like it, though. I yeah. still don't like it. I don't see value in it. Uh, but I can't, the, you know, again, I'm able to get past racism and sexism and uh, uh, in a lot of movies because you have to if you love mm-hmm. these movies. There's no way. You get, that's a great thing that TCM does. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that one, uh, uh, I, I just find it incredibly uncomfortable. And the way we celebrated it and uh, yeah, yeah it, um, uh, and the Oscars, it, all of it makes me, you know, I just whatever. It's an odd movie that we celebrate. But again, it, it broke through. It was a yeah. critical way, and it was a you know what was it over four hours and yeah and and in, and in such an unbelievable year for movies. I saw it on television when I was a kid. They played it over you know two nights. Oh, that's, it was two, that's how they did it. Two yeah, nights? that's how they did it. Yeah. I, in fact, there was a lot of movies in my childhood. I saw on television. I wrote that you know the first time I saw Easy Rider was like on TV, and it was completely cut up, and they cut the ending off. Jesus. So in the movie. He was like, okay, they ride off in a motor. What's the big deal? Right. Like, you know, it was like fate. You know, suddenly there was, it was like the credits. I was like, this is the movie that ruined my life. Like, <laughs> this makes no sense. Yeah. But so, Gone with the Wind. I remember. I think it was a huge deal that they were going to say, "Damn." It was a very big deal. The the settlement was that it, it, you could say, "Damn." If it, and there's a cockamamie rule, it makes no sense. The, the, right. You could say "damn" as long as it was in a context where it wouldn't offend anyone. Right. Well, but Butterfly but, McQueen didn't offend. Right. Well, I mean, they're just making it up. They're just saying. I mean, that's just a rule to say we're going to say it here, and, and no, right. one, no one was prepared to tell Selznick uh, what he couldn't do with that movie at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. That movie has possibly, which I'm always fascinated by movies, uh, has gone a little bit out of fashion. Like when I was starting to watch movies in the 70s, I think that was, again, right up there yeah, on top. It, it, the racism in it is is uh, aggressive. It's not slight. It's aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and we're rooting for we're, we're rooting for people who maybe we shouldn't be rooting for. And the, 
Um, so, you know, um, I, I don't have any problem not liking uh, Gone with the Wind. But I get it. It's incredibly important. And it was, you know, again, this, uh, uh, an, you know, really uh, the first modern epic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And uh, um, and this huge production and it worked and people right. loved it. So right. it was a it was a, a, a tentpole moment for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Of what we can accomplish. Look at this. We can think bigger than we've been thinking before. Right. We can do grand things. Um, and so, yeah, it was incredibly important. It should continue to be seen and discussed. And but uh, but you don't. But you can also think that it doesn't hold up like the way Casablanca totally does. The way to me, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Totally well, Citizen does. Kane is it's fascinating to me because that's a movie that from my early childhood was they always said was the best movie ever made. And, and that seems to be pretty consistent. And again, that's like a question that uh, in this book, Peter literally goes through the shots and every aspect of the of the film and of, you know, what what makes it such an important uh, yeah, film. I- yeah, and, 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 and to that end, you know, although my grandfather wrote it, like, like the, nobody breaks down, you don't break down the screenplay, you break down what Wells did. Like, to me, saying that Herman Mankiewicz wrote it, there is nothing to change that this is Orson Welles' movie, right? Right. I mean, it left out the, the, the breakthrough direction techniques, uh-huh. right? The incredible performance, mm-hmm. right? But the force of will to get it made the cult of personality that enabled him and probably only him right. to take on Hearst and and to get that done the, the producing is the toughest part about that movie right not about every movie but that movie um and so uh, this it's Wells's movie he just he didn't write screenplay I had that you know when I watched it and I so many times but because we were doing the profile on trailblazing women of Dorothy Comigore, I had I had to watch the movie from her point of view which I had never done and then read about how her whole career was completely destroyed by Hearst I mean literally things like you know set her up to be arrested for prostitution like things that you know right, the things that we that Hearst did afterwards Essentially, prove that everything about the movie was true. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if if you don't want people to think that about you, don't do things like that to Dorothy Commodore. Yes, yeah. well, which leads me, I guess, to our the, our the future that we're in. Do you, I mean, I'm a filmmaker, and I'm very concerned about like, well, where, what kind of movies are we going to be made, or is censorship going to be come the norm? Is is uh, comedy going to be, uh, you know, not allowed because it offends the president? You know. Yeah, these are all, you know, there. Are, it is. Those are serious questions among the fifty serious questions that we're asking as a country, and how, what questions the journalists are asking, and um, and should be asking. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, no one, no civilized person thinks it's okay to make fun of Donald Trump's ten-year-old son. Right. Right. I don't think. Um, but I mean, so I shouldn't say looks like Damien in the Elman. I don't know. You should not. And you wouldn't. No, right. I wouldn't so, say right. something. So, Never. So, um, but the <laughs> but a comedian doing t- make, telling a joke about him. Yeah. Is different. That's their job. And right. it might be in bad taste. And if I were if Katie Rich, the Saturday Night Live writer who, who tweeted the joke about Baron Trump, I would have said, hey, Katie. No, right. that's off limits. Don't do that. I'm serious. Right. Knock it off. Delete the tweet. Apologize. And don't do that again. Right. And that's where I would have left it. Um, uh, 
but you know the notion the indefinite suspension and if it turns into getting fired like hey man it, it like John McCain made fun of Chelsea. He's not a comedian. Yeah. Like his job is not to sort of think it's different. Like I hold politicians to a different standard than joke writers. Right. Joke writers are supposed to make jokes. And I don't think it was in bad. I don't think it came from a dark, bad place. No, it was just trying to get people to laugh in this sort of difficult time for right. all those who are opposed to Trump. That said, shouldn't have done it. So it's a, but it's a worthy debate. And I, I'm pleased to see that most of the, comedy community uh rallied behind her. i just feel like it's a little bit of the, the it just it's a little bit of humor humorlessness i mean i remember yeah, right, yeah. when uh when clinton was uh his inaugural there was a big thing because his daughter's hair blocked most of the you know that she got made fun of or jimmy carter's uh, daughter Amy got me. I mean, there's Amy, a yeah. little bit of. Remember the Rudy Giuliani. Remember there was a famous thing with when Rudy Giuliani was sworn in as the mayor, and his kid, his son was behind him. Yeah, making mm. a lot of face. So there is a little yeah, bit yeah, of a tradition. A li- you got to be a, have like yeah, a little bit of ribbing here, but yeah, it's just it is, and you know when you're a comedian like it whatever when ribbing becomes picking on that's yes. when you've gone too far. And so I again I would have just said hey on day one let's not make make fun of him make fun of his wife make fun of his family, make fun of his dad, his mom, whatever you want. Right. I just leave the, make fun of the, the grown-up kids. Have, yeah. have at them, mm. right? Uh, but, you know, but but again, but like calm down in your reaction. Like it's not, mm. they're, 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 she, she's, she, her job is to tell jokes. And right. she's good at it. Yeah. Uh, let her say, oops, sorry. And I agree. Let's go, move on. Without, don't, like, don't cost her her job. That's crazy. Yeah, that did, that did seem a little crazy to me. What about movies like political movies that we've watched over the years, like Manchurian Candidate or Being There? And are those going to be ruined? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people, I got a lot of tweets on uh, Inauguration Day. They all thought that we'd programmed a face in the crowd on purpose. Oh, everybody did. Right. Now, I, may, people I, were, I, tech, I, they were like, go TCM. Right. And I think we may have programmed it on, on on purpose. I didn't check with Millie who tweeted like, hey, this was me and no one else. Uh, right. Uh, but I assume she did it on inauguration day because she was like, hey, it's, it's, the, it's you know, fun. it's a political movie. And we right. probably had a couple of political movies on inauguration yeah. day. I don't know. But but it did feel like there was a Little point s- being made. We also think I think we had Atlas Shrugged on inauguration day, too. Well, uh, are you going to be playing 1984 with the newest book on the New York Times bestseller? Yeah, if I I can't get a copy. That is so, that is really, I remember in 1984 going to see the movie 1984. That was I I don't know that I, I must have seen the movie. I'm sure I did. But again, that's a perfect example. Like, I don't remember, I don't remember. It was bad, right? Very dark. Uh, Yeah, dark. Richard Burton and John Hurt. And so dark. Yeah. That I, I, I mean, I know the movie. What year? 1984. It came out in 84? Yeah. That was like the whole point. I remember because right. I was in, I was, uh, I would have been in uh, acting school. And, I would have uh, been 17. I'm sure I saw it. It has no, and I certainly haven't seen it since. So Yeah. It's very dark. Well, now, of course, I want to rewatch it. So I had a kind of an interest in rewatching political and movies. I'm sure Philip Ross, The Plot Against America, I'm sure that I'm sure they've reprinted I would bet that they've that's been reprinted also. Right. Yeah. The Parallax View is another one. I don't like the Parallax View as some other political thrillers in the Oh, interesting. Uh, How come? I can't follow it. 
totally. I don't really know what's happening, and I feel like that there's. He's got Warren Beatty in, and he's got that hair. He's got Warren Beatty with serious hair, and there's like a bomb on a plane. You talked to oh, we got to get to him, but um, but those were his really good looking ears. Didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I just you know we just had him on, and uh, yeah, I I, I, uh, spent a couple. Weren't you intimidated by him? I'd be see now he'd be someone. Yeah, I I would have, but he um, and I got intimidated by by him during. The interview because I said something that I thought was funny and I don't know that he got it and he was like, "No, I don't think so." And I was like, "No, no, I was kidding." Oh, <laughs> um, no. But it was fine. Now he, but Warren and my dad were were very close because they worked together on the McGovern campaign yes. in '72 uh-huh. and then for Gary Hart in 1984 when when I was in in '84 or late '83, a couple of times my, my parents were out. The phone rang twice at least and and I'd answer it and I'd get. Uh, yeah, hello, is uh, Frank there? And, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's doing an unbelievable Warren Beatty. <laughs> and I, I'd be like, no, he's out right now. He goes, oh, it's it's Warren Beatty. I, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, your cadence is unbelievable. Like it's, uh, uh, It is. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, and because he, he really loved my dad, everybody loved my dad, um, The uh, uh, that eliminated any sort of sense of, and he seemed pleased to do it, and and uh, and he he was great and smart yeah. and, and lovely, and of course you know to to do what you know there are only two people who've been nominated for mm-hmm. producing, acting, writing, and directing the same movie got nominated for all four things in the same year, mm-hmm. and those two people are Orson Welles for Citizen Kane and Warren Beatty twice. Yeah, for, for both uh, um, Reds and for Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, I, lo- I Reds is I, w- I watched that night. That was a really I, I watched it to prep that, for. Oh, it was, and it was I mean I'd seen it before, but again that's a perfect example. I could never have possibly talked about Reds mm-hmm. in any meaningful way without re seeing it. That was a movie that when it came out, I think I'm I think I probably went to see it in the theater maybe like three times. I was kind of obsessed with it because it was like the you know that idea of that's you know living in Greenwich Village and being with a communist. No, uh, like a communist who looked like Warren Beatty. Yeah. Um, no, and he was uh, Jack Nicholson. I mean, come on, the so cast that, is insane. Uh, yeah, and they're of all Reds, and they're so they're so good, and he's so good in it, and she's phenomenal, and that moment. Of uh, at the end when, oh. when they, so I, I said to him, I'm like the greatest. I, did they put that in? Yes, put that in there? good. Yes, because we got to make I, a list of the greatest movie hugs because that's one. Yeah, there's no way it's not number one. Yeah, that was a killer. That's a great hug with the soundtrack, the beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. And he said that's that. I think he said that was the first take, and they uh-huh. they they shot others, but that was the yeah that was the one. He uh, did you notice? I'm getting off track here, but Warren Beatty always likes to eat on camera. That's a oh, is that a, his little business that he likes? Con- he's constantly eating. He he eats a lot in Reds. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that Jack Nicholson likes to eat, I, and I wondered they're friends. Then they do they both like to eat <laughs> on uh, on uh, on camera. That's something I I like about him. So I can't ask you who your favorite person you interviewed are but do you have like a top yeah, three i do i, I mean uh, uh, yeah angie unquestionately yeah. norman lloyd oh uh, i mean Who? probably angie norman lloyd and even marie saint um yeah uh but i, I but ernest borgnine also was oh, was really incredible. great and i did that a few times and uh um uh yeah he was terrific and 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 ernest borgnine and mickey rooney and i'm leaving somebody out 
got the biggest responses from the crowd. And this is, I am, everybody gets, these, all these people get standing ovations because, mm-hmm. and they've earned them. But er, Ernie had this, like, man, that crowd wanted him to feel it. Like there's this Aww. sense, and that the theater size of the theater matters here too, and the mm-hmm. closeness of the audience. But we came out in Portland, and uh, and after I just remember also we, we went did a morning show that morning, and then afterwards we we're headed back to the hotel, and he's like, "Who wants pancakes?" <laughs> and we found a place in Portland. We all went to get pancakes. He's just you know it was they had a whole show planned, and the, he was supposed to be on the first segment, mm-hmm. and they they canceled the whole rest of the show. He stayed on the whole hour. Like well, he, he's one of those people. I did a sitcom called The Single Guy. and The uh, Jonathan Silverman show that he was right. He played the doorman. Yeah, he played the doorman. And I was, in fact, George Siegel, who's a longtime friend, they were doing Just Shoot Me next door. And I, so I would see George at lunch. And I said, um, I said, yeah, I'm on the show. I go, Ernest Borgnine plays the doorman. He's in the elevator. And George went, oh, my God. <laughs> I go, That's, you got you know, one day you're, one day you're winning an Academy Award for Marty. The next day you're, you're on the single guy. Yes, sir. I'll see you in a minute. So we'd have like three lines with him. And, but he would tell great stories. About he loves to tell stories. He was just, and the, again, there was this visceral connection with the crowd. Mickey Rooney was super challenging, incredibly challenging to interview. Um, uh, but the crowd really yeah. ached for him, you know. So I was intimidated. I left out in my intimidation list. I was definitely intimidated by Sophia Loren. You, how do you? How, how do you? Avoid well, that's that? something di- interesting because is is there potentially a language issue? There's a potentially a language issue. So my thing, like you said, me trying to sort of uh, get them on my side by being uh, attempting to be funny. You're like, on. what if she, you know, doesn't understand what's happening? You know, because my because I'm like this idiot. Right. American boy. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, but it went, she was, of course, charming. Lovely. And, and uh, you know, and she, because uh, uh, we did, um, what the hell did we do? Um, In terms of films? Naples, we did the, I never remember the title of these incredible movies. Anyway, but it she. It happened in Naples? No, nope, 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 nope. Come on. Uh, divorce Italian style. Oh, yes. And okay. so we, um, she, uh, uh, and she gets up there and, and she says, "My, um, she says, I do not know the word, but my son told me that this movie is a." And she looks at her hand and she's written it in sharpie on her hand. She goes, "My son tells me that this is a a dramedy, part <laughs> drama, part comedy." You know, <laughs> she makes a face, and of course the crowd just eats it up. She's reading it. She's got big. She's beautiful. She's got this white silk pantsuit on. Yes, she looked fantastic. As we were walking to the stage, I was like. Sophia Loren is whatever, 82 years old, and I am right now at this moment checking out her ass, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then she's got, and it's so elegant and beautiful, and then she's written huge dramedy right in the palm of her hand, so she wouldn't forget it. You know the one who freaked me out the most from TCM Film Festival? I didn't, it was the, one of the first years you had the festival, and I didn't talk to him just because I, I just wanted to say hello to him, but I have to say Tony Curtis. No, oh, I had a lot of fun with Tony Curtis, yeah. Was, you yeah. know, and I saw you interview him and everything, but that was like, just to meet him was a thrill because it was such a tie that is like mainlining for me to Hollywood. I, uh, I I interviewed Tony Curtis the first time at a some event, some film festival, or some showing of of uh, at probably some like it hot in Long Island, uh, and it was maybe the first remote interview I'd done for TCM, like mm-hmm. in two thousand four, two thousand five. I'd only been there. I, I started in two thousand three, and and I we had to ride from the city 
in a in a limo out to this place in Long Island, and we were together in that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but I I was uh, that that was a low point uh, for me because he was great, but I didn't know what to say to him, and I was scared to ask him anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, I'm I'm over my head, mm-hmm. and uh, all the people who I read online and then in the who say that I shouldn't have this job turns out. They're right. They, they nailed it. Um, and we got through the interview fine. I've always gotten through the interviews fine. But right. it took till like 2010 or 11, post first festival, second festival, 2012, before. So that's not even that long ago. Like mm-hmm. Four years ago before I started, before I figured out that I figured out a way to do these things. And mm-hmm. I'm good at them. But it took 40 that were fine. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you mostly you just you try and get out of the way. But I spent a lot of time trying to prove my own worth in an interview. Like I'd ask them a question, they'd answer something, and then I'd just say some facts, you know, to right, like right. tell the audience, like, look, I'm smart, too. Yeah. And that's hard not to do. And I hear people do it on, on radio interviews all the time, trying mm-hmm. to, like, sh- show off a little. And whatever, you can do it a little. But when I stopped doing that, it was a huge, like, hey, if you don't think I belong here, that's fine. I, I, right. I, I can't be bothered. But but better is not for me to... That gets in the way of a conversation. Me telling you the the best picture nominees for 1950 for no reason just to show you that i know them uh whereas as opposed to saying literally really why i and know you answering something i do i see when people do that and it bothers me but that i'm surprised that you would actually oh my god we never read i accidentally see things oh, about I myself I went why on, would you read them did you think they would be helpful um, I couldn't help it. I mean, I was drawn to him. I don't know right. what that psychologically, what that says about me. I mean, I wanted to torture myself. I didn't, be- I was, you know, looking to be outraged by negative things because I probably believed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they validated that. Um, so, you know, and also this was pre, this was the, the TCM forums. This was the way you, this was our only manner of communication. Now, now right. when people hate me, they just tweet me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, uh, so now it's really instant. Uh, well, that's something to talk about is the rabid fan base of the TCM fans. They're, you know, they're they're so intense. And uh... that's the other thing. You get to the point where you're like, hey, I'm sitting in a crowd and there'll be a thousand people or 700 people in that crowd. And I'll be like, there are 370 of these people who know more about something in classic movies more than me all the time. Like, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. They just know it. They whether they may not know everything, but they know, they know John Ford films, or right. they they know, or they know this one movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or or you know, they know Bringing Up Baby, you know. Right. And so, like, don't I can't I like I got it. I'm a I'm an interviewer. I'm a broadcaster. I facilitate this. I'm good at it. That people are comfortable talking to me. Uh, that matters. I, I I've I've now a, a significant wealth of knowledge, but I can't. You guys are that's great. You win, and and so I'll use them. So that's right. why when I'm like, oh, you know, she'll be like, if if if, the, if a star blanks out on their co-star or they're talking about an old movie right. that I didn't prep for, and I won't remember who directed something, mm-hmm. I won't remember that Howard Hawks directed Bringing Up Baby. In the moment, in an interview, it'll escape me, and, she, and if they might, because they're some of them are you know they're older and they might right. forget, and they'll be like, you know, and the director, uh, 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 I can just say, help me out, yeah. and and you know, a thousand people will yell. Howard Hawks, idiot. <laughs> you know, that was a bad example because I wouldn't forget that one. But but there are plenty that I that I would, and you can use those fans, and yeah. they and they, you know, and uh, and and just getting comfortable with what you know and what you don't know is uh, that was rewarding for me. 
So what are some of the we're, what are some of the highlights of uh, so far that you can talk about the TCM Film Fest? Because I want to make sure to plug that, which is coming up April sixth through ninth. Um, we're still working on stuff, uh, as you know. Uh, still trying to line people up, uh, including some people who we have discussed today yes. um, that we're uh, working on, that I'm uh, uh, helping. Um, so, uh, you know, the theme, I think, is comedy this year. Yes. Um, so there are going to be a lot it. of comedies. But that's, the, you know, the, the, the theme is misleading in that it's not like that's what all the movies are going to be. Right. Um, you know, you want to know what we're going to show, uh, you know, look at the year, look for, you know, what, what it's the 30th, 40th, even 35th. 45th anniversary of so look right. for movies that end in a seven and a two um <laughs> well definitely some of peter brigdonovich's films yeah totally well obviously because yeah because peter will be there and uh so i'm assuming you know again i don't know but assuming potentially people that he worked with or films he did and what's up doc's one of my favorite yeah I, um uh Love that film you know and and uh, again it's 45 years since the last picture show i mean obviously i'm sure that's going to be one of them you yes, uh, but I don't know actually. I don't know what the. But I mean, I would imagine, and um, uh, and I'm, then I said, I think I think it'd be great to get Peter to talk about these directors mm-hmm. who he can really channel in a way that Peter Bogdanovich, one of the great storytellers in this business. I was reading online, and that's what I'm going to ask him about: is the uh, he organized apparently the very first retrospective of Orson Welles in this country. Is that right? Yeah, when he was a. Uh, when he was working at MoMA, which I was not aware of. Um, so coming out of, he was a big admirer of the Cahiers de Cinema and so kind of wanted to start the same thing here. And The whole idea of, crazy. of, of those guys. Of, that, of, what would we have done? Yeah, how did these guys, Truffaut and Bogdanovich, like what kind of critics just be like, <laughs> yeah, I like talking about movies. You know what? I'm going to make them and I'm going to be brilliant yeah. right i mean it's one thing to like be like yeah i'm you know i'm a critic i'm gonna go make movies and then you make uh no offense but you make like three adam sandler movies right, right? you know yeah and there some of adam sandler movies are okay i'm not trying to be ex- but like to but to but to make movies that matter and last like i don't know it's really it, it seems crazy because i like i know a bunch of critics and yeah it doesn't seem like they're about to do that do you have a favorite uh, Bogdanovich film? I I love. I'm very partial. Of course, I know Last Picture Show is a classic, but I'm kind of partial to Paper Moon. Oh, I love Paper Moon. That's a great call. I love Paper Moon. And Paper, you know, pa- uh, Paper. What year was Paper Moon? 70, Seventy. What? Uh, three? Is that too early? I don't know. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say a window of. I'm gonna say seventy-five. I'm going to go under. I'm going to take the under. You know, okay. you know, okay. you, know yes. you know, I'm a gambler. Yes, yes. Let's go five dollars on the under. <laughs> 1973. Oh, uh, um, so good. Uh, I might have. Uh, I might have seen Paper Moon. That that's the kind of movie that might have been my first movie. Yeah. Um, and obviously not understanding it, but that's a great call. And and and, oh. and, and she's so good in it. Yeah, and their relationship is really touching. Their relationship is super, super touching. Um, And family relationships that matter get me. I was, I finally, it took me a long time to see it, but I finally saw um, Manchester by the Sea this week. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I cried. Everybody cries. Um, (laughs) And I I don't know whether I loved it yet. I liked it a lot, and there were some really good moments in it. But when I just, when he's at the lawyer's office, Mm -hmm. that's the scene that got me when it occurs to me oh, my God, his brother did this to save him right like no he was gonna die and did like uh, that was it that was that was gone i couldn't I yeah couldn't, i couldn't hold it back 
It was sad. I thought the movie said anything for me of a family just just automatically uh, kills me. Anyone even need to talk about hugging, doing hugging. And speaking of sad things, here's my this is gonna be my last question: <laughs> Why is the TCM remembers so much better than the one they do on the Oscars? We have really, really. T- I mean, well, you know, you know, we have like I don't know, sixty people working at TCM, fifty-seven. Yeah. That's it. Um, Lean, mean staff yeah and they're good man and they care I'm, obviously i'm pretty sure that first of all as soon as you hear that da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i go <laughs> no it's really 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 good and um and every year it's oh. good um and 216, so 216 it was like i can't i can't when they tacked on debbie reynolds at the end it was like it was too it was too much yeah it was hard enough when they tacked on judge gabor we um uh and by the way real quick because uh, tomorrow yep. what is today the 26th so tomorrow night, yes. twenty. I don't know when this is a yes. podcast, but the Friday the twenty seventh. If it's not already Friday the twenty seventh, yes. is our salute to Debbie Reynolds. Okay, and and I just did last week uh, uh, five movies with with Todd Fisher, uh, one of which was the Catered Affair, which has uh, long been my favorite Debbie Reynolds movie because I, I like fantastic. it. I just like it better when people aren't dancing for no reason. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, and that's and and Betty Davis and Ernest Borgnine together, and they're both so wonderful and small. Really good. Yeah, the great, I, great that's movie. a wonderful movie. Yeah, I, I love that one too of of, of Debbie Reynolds, and uh, of course Wedding Bell Blues, in which I co star Of course, of course. Yeah, it's weird. I, we talk. I don't. I, you know, it probably came surreal. up. Must have come up. Yeah. No, no. It's always <laughs> surreal that I could draw. Be like, yeah. So when I was doing the picture with Robert Mitchum, it's like it's so it's it's. Uh, My but, wife gets mad. At me when I refer to and I always do it on a second reference and it's the only guy I do it. I don't. I will never say Bob De Niro or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I frequently say Bob Mitchum, like Bob Mitchum. Uh, just on this like second reference, uh, especially like uh, you know the um, uh, you know when we're talking about any anything where it's like you know and he gave he'll give you his best Bob Mitchum stare. Oh. Uh, but Lee's like you can't do that. You, my wife, he's like you can't call him Bob Mitchum. You didn't know him. You cannot call him Bob Mitchum. I would have loved to have interviewed. I got to talk to him a little bit on the set and there, you know, but after being told numerous times, but I'm like, don't talk to Rob. Don't ask him about movies. That would always be like lectured. And there's no, you can't not ask him about movies. You couldn't, you know, but the problem was about the Dodgers is that I had my, it was this scene. I had my hospital gown on. I was all beaten up. I was like, this is perfect. So we had all these people on the set that were visiting Sean Penn and people and they were there hanging out with Robert Mitchum. I came out and was literally attached to my IV because they <laughs> were, you know, that's that we were doing the scene. Right, that I, scene. Yeah. I came out with my IV to talk to Robert Mitchum and he like had the cigarette and he looked up and he goes, you need a new boyfriend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, and scene. Yeah, that good was enough. Like, you good know. enough. Anyway, Ben... Uh, you know I adore you. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, thanks for being patient. And I'm, am I still an honorary? Uh, of course, Mankiewicz? an honorary Mankiewicz. We yes. didn't even get to your brother Josh. Dateline the, NBC. Oh. My favorite Josh Mankiewicz story is we were talking, and I'm obsessed with Dateline as his camera. So, yes, be. completely we love, obsessed. We love Dateline, and he was interviewing a uh, murderer in Al- in uh, Al- um, Albuquerque, mm-hmm. and I said, "My God, or, or, I mean." Aren't you scared when you interview these people? And he goes, oh, they're in shackles. Yeah, they're in shackles. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you the thing about my, let me tell you the thing about uh, That's good. That's a good one. Everybody makes fun of my, I don't even think it sounds like him, but everyone who knows him, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let me tell you the thing about, 
Let me tell you the thing about these guys. Uh, they're behind bars. Um, but sometimes when I used to voice pieces when I was a reporter, I would I'd hear my I'd catch it and I'd yeah. say, "I know we got to go," but I'd say, you know. But police tell a very different story. Oh, and I would be like, oh, crap. Wow. I, he really is my brother. Yes. Yeah. You do so. All right. Ben, we have to get Peter on yeah. here. Thank you so much. Uh, you can reach Ben on Twitter. Yes. Because he would love that. Ben Mank 77 mm-hmm. You can buy Ileana's book now out in paperback That's on right. Amazon.com. And at Bookstars, our website is ilianaspodcast.com. Right. You can find all kinds of stuff there. Um, and we have a Facebook page. You should probably like that. Please do. Everyone's life is a movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end. This is our end. The end. Thank you, Ben. I adore Thanks, you. guys. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.